Hello and welcome to another Cork and Taylor Wine Podcast. And I can say this is probably the tightest romantic uh, podcast I'll ever have. I'm, I mean, I'm literally in the in, in the uh, in the vineyards, but I'm just going to tell you something. I'm so happy that we have gas, and that's not obviously gas. I don't have like I'm going to pass gas or anything. But as an extremely effective and affordable wine preserver, we are excited to partner with Silvador Brands as the official wine preserver of the Cork and Taylor Wine Podcast. Open whatever you want, whenever you want. 100% Aragon Silvador Wine Preserver allows you to do just that. Go to silvadorbrands.com and click the For Your Home to order. When checking out, enter Cork and Taylor in the discount code and reserve 10% off your entire order. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on YouTube. And if you want to support us to get out to these great places, uh, join our Patreon page, www.patreon.com backslash Cork and Taylor. And this is, this is probably the first time. It's going to be a little windy, but I love it. This is, this is great. We're in the vineyard. This is one of your vineyards. We got Doug Stanton from Stanton Vineyards in lovely Oakville, California. Well, we're actually in St. Helena. Don't lie to me. Just tell me we're, we're in St. Helena. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, we're in St. Helena. But we're drinking uh, an Oakville Appalachian wine because we do have a 42-acre vineyard there in Oakville that I've always uh, made Cabernet from. So. Yeah. Awesome. But, yeah. Awesome. So what year is this, did you say? This is 18. Oh, 18. 2018. Yeah. Sorry, I mean to touch your glass there. It's all right. This is, uh, this is some nice quarters. Um, I love it, though. We're sitting out in the middle of uh, Cab Franc right here. Okay. And my workers are working their way towards us. They started pruning about 10 days ago. Nice. So we're having great weather right now. Do you think they'll prune while we're here? Would they prune around us or would they kind of wait? They're not going to quite get to us. They're going to be moving into this uh, Cabernet block next. Okay. Probably tomorrow. So this is where, where, what are we in? You said, are we in Cab or Petite? Where, what, uh, we're in Cab Franc. Oh, we're Cab, oh, Cab Franc. But just over there is Cabernet that I sell to uh, Del Dotto Vineyards. Yeah, Del Dotto. Have you ever been at, done to a tasting at Del Dotto? Yes. I heard you don't leave there sober. You do not. Did you buy any wine? Uh, yes. <laughs> Did you get the Did you get the uh, vineyard? Uh, you hopefully got the discount, right? The grower discount. I got the discount, but uh, I still I spent about two grand. <laughs> and when the when the bill came, my wife was like screaming at me, and I go, "Don't worry, dear. Just wait. Wait till you try it. It's great." So anyway, I, has she tried it? She loves it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So That's we are. I just pulled the cork on this uh, 2018 Oakville Cab. It's 100% Cabernet. There's nothing blended mm. in here. Wow. So this is all a state fruit. Yeah. How many cases would you make of this bad boy? Mm. Less than 300. That's it? Probably 260, yeah. Wow. Is that common to make that? Uh, well. I mean, that's impressive, especially for the price. I've always been very small, but uh, the biggest vintage I had, I think, was 05 Cabernet, and I made uh, 500 cases. So we're going to taste my Cabernet today, uh, yep. my Petite Syrah, which you're familiar with. Absolutely. And I'm familiar with the Cabernet, too. And I mean, then, it's great. then I've also got the Natalie's Reserve Cab. Nice. Which Who's is that a, after? That's my daughter. Okay. Uh, that's amazing. 
So you guys have a long history. I mean, you're third generation, 1947. Yes. Jesse Stanton uh, came to uh, this lovely land, and what was he thinking? Did your dad ever tell you stories about a little bit what your grandfather was thinking? Jesse was he was not a farmer. He was an architect by trade. Okay. And he loved he loved beautiful areas, and so he uh, was probably traveling to the valley, and uh, decided to buy some land. Okay. In the 40s and 50s. It was dirt cheap. Okay. Wow. I, I can only imagine what it would have uh, what it would have uh, cost back then. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what it would have cost back then. Seriously. I mean, that's... Well, I can't tell you. I no, know. I don't want to know. <clears throat> right. But I can only imagine. And then your dad My took dad, over from John. Why but, weren't you a Jay? Because you got Jesse, John, and Doug. I, I don't know. Don't know, but... Uh, my dad started a new career. We grew up in Los Angeles, and uh, my grandfather was getting ready to sell the vineyards. And my dad said, oh, don't, don't sell the vineyards. I'll go up there, I'll move up there, and I'll run them for you. So we moved here in 1971. Mm-hmm. And my dad changed careers, and he had a very long life. He mm-hmm. lived to be 99 years old. <clears throat> and he was very supportive of the wine venture yeah yeah so you so you grew grapes you sold obviously grapes you still sell grapes we still that's the majority of our business we sell 97 percent of our fruit uh you mentioned the wine the broth yeah Yeah, they buy they buy oakville fruit from us i sell to uh maryvale this this block goes to maryvale nice stag's leap yeah cane cellars good um Del Dotto Vineyards. Obviously Del Dotto. Obviously Del Dotto. <laughs> and you bought, hopefully your grapes were in the wine that you spent all that money on. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess how do you decide between growing grapes and selling grapes to making grapes? Is there like a formula? Is it is it kind of like, you know, <laughs> I, I would rather sell it and just be done with it? And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, is it just from a growth of your brand? I mean, what what's the formula, I guess, if there is a formula? Well, obviously, I was. I got very excited about wine when I moved back and started working in the vineyards. And um, we'd be delivering fruit to wineries during harvest, and occasionally they'd have harvest dinners. And Mm -hmm. at one particular dinner, I was recently married, and we were up at Joseph Phelps, and the winemaker at the time, Craig Williams, got up and, and started. Hailing our praises, you know, like this is one of our best growers. They give mm-hmm. us blah blah fruit, and uh, my wife is like elbowing me. She was mm-hmm. didn't grow up here. She said we need to make wine. Mm-hmm. Your fruit is unparalleled. And so, uh, is that the only time you've listened to her? No, no, no. <laughs> no we've been married thirty-two years, so I have to listen to her a lot. <clears throat> um, I had a very young winemaker that said, hey, I'll make you a barrel of wine. His name was uh, Rudy Zudima. He was working for Robert Craig. And in 98, he made this barrel of Oakville Cab that was spectacular. And I said, okay, that's it. I'm going commercial the next year. 99 was my first vintage. Why didn't your grandfather or dad ever do it? Um... I don't think they had the desire. Or the passion, yeah. They didn't have the passion. That's okay. You know, 
But that's the right thing to do. If you're not passionate about something, you don't have the, because it's not, you don't just make the wine and it sells yourself. I mean, you know, I mean. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the, uh, Michael Keenan, whose wine I sell in Ohio, has said multiple times, and I've been in the room and heard it, the easy part is making the good wine. The tough part is selling it. Correct. And uh, the reason I've stayed small is because I don't want to go and slep wine for seven, eight months a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like living here, farming. And so I, I, I produce what I think I can sell easily mm-hmm. through distributors out of state, mm-hmm. brokers in California, and direct sales. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to work too hard at it. Because here's the thing. You don't want to be everything to everybody. And then next thing you know, <sighs> you're on the road, like you said, seven months a year. And you're going to... Oklahoma, Ohio, Kentucky, and you're just, Mm. you have less headaches too, less distributors, let's be honest. Yeah, no, there's less. uh, When I was younger, um, it was easier to go on the road. Now it's not so easy. No, no. And it's also a cost too, right? Yeah. You know, it's definitely a cost. So you have this winemaker from since 2002. How did you settle on him? Well, I uh, I was in I was looking for a winemaker, and I kept asking people because I had a lot of contacts in the industry. Mm-hmm. I go, well, you know, who would you get to be your winemaker? And his name kept coming up. They go, well, if you could get him, you know, uh-huh. this guy's a rising star. We're talking about Dave Finney. Yep. And uh, so he happens to live in Santa Helena. I contacted him. He uh, he had a small brand at the time, Prisoner. <laughs> he had, he had, small brand, yeah. He had no grapes. He purchased all Isn't the fruit. Isn't that crazy? And I said, Dave, I've got excellent vineyards. Come check out my vineyards. I'll give you some of the best fruit I produce if you, you would agree to make my wine. That's good and it, and it worked out. He was yeah. uh, at that point. Yeah, and he's still with you? No, we, we parted ways okay. in 16. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So who do you have now? Right now, uh, I'm working with uh, Robbie Meyer okay. at, at Del Dotto. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. So. And this is going to go out to how many people? Because. Like four. Okay. Because Robbie. <laughs> Robbie's a very nice person, and uh, um, he's not charging me an arm and a leg. That's so. good. Well, I mean, that's the problem, right? I mean, it gets to a point when you have a brand your size, you know, you can have a great winemaker like Dave Finney is. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. But do you really want to charge three, four hundred dollars a bottle? I do not. I'm a consumer myself, and yeah. I find I find it hard spending seventy, eighty dollars a bottle. Yeah, you spend two grand at Del Dotto. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but that's. But that's the beauty of, I, I stumbled on you, and I, I'm trying to think where. It was your Petit Serrat. I'm like, this is really good. And then I started having your cab and buying your cab. And the thing is, it's for what it is, it's Oakville, which I'm from Oakville, Ontario, Canada, which is obviously not, I mean, obviously we wouldn't be in a vineyard right now in my hometown, and we definitely would not be outside because we'd be freezing as hell. But the prices are competitive, and they're a good price. We talked about Ren Harris, who we had or have on the podcast Paradigm. Laird's another one. There's yeah. a, there's multiple wineries that are not chasing the cult status of three, four, five hundred dollars a bottle. Right. We have we have the benefit of owning 
the vineyards, right? Mm-hmm. We own we own great sites, mm-hmm. so we we don't have that expense, yep. which is the major expense, right? Yep. Getting good fruit. Yep. I, I've been told many times, you know, you can't magically uh, transform and, and in the winery make something great out of something that's not. Mm-hmm. Well, we have we know how to grow great mm-hmm. fruit. Mm-hmm. And so we got to we got to leg up. So why? Because I believe you grow about seven different varietals, if I read correctly somewhere. Correct. Why do you just produce a Cabernet and then a standalone Petit Syrah? Just out of curiosity. I mean, obviously we know Cab. I mean Napa Cab. <laughs> I mean you're an idiot if you don't. Why well, I shouldn't say that because we've had Bob Bialy and he doesn't grow any Cab, hmm. um, and he's a great gentleman. So he is. What? Why? Why Petit? Why? I guess why Petit Syrah? Why Petit? Well. Yeah. When, when I first moved here, I was 12 years old, and uh, we had 75 acres of old head pruned vines, and a lot of it was Petit Syrah. So coming up from L.A., I learned to prune, drive tractor in the Petit Syrah. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to stumble across a Stag's Leap 1975 Petit Syrah at auction, and it blew me away how well how well it was 20 years old at the time how well it it had uh, aged mm-hmm. better than cabs so right then and there i go i want to i want to make a great petite Syrah. yeah and you have thank you and it's well priced too it has made just the slightest price increase we've been 45 dollars for since i released it and i just moved it to 50 yeah Every person I've talked to, and you're my sixth interview, uh, has has said, I was just at Paloma, <laughs> and he said, it kills me to go up $6 a bottle. I'm like, Sheldon, no offense, I bet you your cost went up $6 a bottle. He's like, I know. And I'm like, it's still value. I mean, if, if you don't know about price increases, you've never gone to a grocery store or anything in the world. Everything has gone up, right? Right. And... Uh... I wanted I wanted to move my price a little bit, especially because going out of state, it's it was too cheap. Yeah, you know what was it? Twenty, twenty three bucks or yeah. something. I you know you can't make money at that. Yeah, and so. and that's the thing. I think when you start, you know, using distributors, you have to. People don't understand. You're not making that hundred percent chunk. No. You know, you're making, you know, what you're making and it's, you know, so you've got to, you know, no one's going to, let's be honest, once you're at 45, if you go up to 50, I mean, if people like the wine, it's not like you're going up to 80 or 70, you're not jumping that much. I mean, that's right. what, 10, 10% maybe? I came out with my cab in 99 at 60 and I've, I'm now I'm at 85, so it's been very modest. Mm-hmm. $85 for an Oakville cab is... Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, especially this quality. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty good. Yeah, and it's eighteen. How is uh? Have you? What do you think of the twenty twenties? Well, I did make a twenty twenty. Uh, we were able to harvest before the fires. Yep. I actually picked my petite raw on Friday. Cab on Saturday. Fire broke out on Sunday. Just luck, as it would be. So my wines were in the tank. Wow. I didn't make a lot. It's only going to be 120 cases of uh, Petit Syrah and I think 240 of Cab. Wow. 
I like them. I don't have them with me yeah, today. Yeah, that's fine. We're gonna drink. Uh, we're gonna drink a couple wines that aren't released yet. Okay. Nineteens, nineteen cab, nineteen uh, reserve. Okay. Uh, they're going to be released at Taste of Oakville on the 23rd of this uh, February. So what, what vintages do you have in distribution right now? What what uh, is it 18 petite? 19. 19 petite and then what is it 17 cab or is it? S- There's still a little 17 cab out yeah. there. I'm sold out Good. and uh, 18 cab, 19 cab. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are people, what do you think about people's impressions of let's say 2011, 2017, 2020. I mean, the critics were pretty. There's a little pushback yeah. on 11 for sure. Uh, 17, we had fires. Uh, we we had 90. 15, per- you had earthquakes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, there's people that don't want to even try a 17. Although my 17 is fantastic. But don't you think? I mean, you have total control. You own the vineyards. You know what's going on. You know the people working in the vineyards. Yeah. Don't you think it's true? It's it's, it's basically thing when you work, it, whether it's a good vintage overall or bad, for a winery that's consistent in their winemaking practices, their vineyard practices, all the other stuff, you're going to get a consistent product year in and year out. Yeah, we haven't had a dud. I mean, eleven was one of my weaker vintages for sure, but uh, it's a good vintage though. It overall. was still good, yeah. man. It was yeah. still good. Yeah, I mean, we're making. Look, I can't release a wine that's not spectacular, right? Yeah. Because it kills your brand. It'll kill my brand. Yep. Yep. And people a lot smarter than me told me that. Yeah. So um, try not to discount either. That'll kill your brand. Well, that that's too because then you know what it's like in the distribution. Well, do you have anything you're going to close out? Then they let's say I close out Stanton, right? Then the next year you bring in a new another wine. And it's really good. And all people care about is, are you going to give me a discount on it? And that's the problem, right? Because once you start that trend, it's downhill from then. Yeah. Lush and broad with a rolling wave of warm cassis and blackberry compote notes. I didn't write that. Who writes your tasting notes? This is Wine Spectator. Well, that's Spectator. I know, but who writes your tasting notes? Um, I do. Okay. I do a little bit. Um, that's good. It's hard for a small person like me to even get people to review my wines, but um, this particular wine hasn't been uh, shown to anybody, and I want you to try it. 1990. Here first on the Cork and Teller Wine Podcast. 19. 19. And this one, I don't know if you respect this guy anything, but... Yeah. You like Is that Galoni? Yeah. Yeah, Galoni. He didn't respond back to me when I asked him for a, a, a wine interview podcast. I want to have a rater and reviewer because I, I'm not to pick up. I don't not. I don't pick anybody apart, or I'm never negative. Right. But I'm I'm curious how it works. Kind of like how they got into it, and how they score what they score. I mean, well, wine's subjective. It, it is. Know, sometimes, right? sometimes Absolutely. we don't like yep. the reviews we yep. get. Um, well, the worst, the kiss of death is what, an 89? Like, don't even just give me a score. I'd rather just have, give me a zero. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like 90 is the benchmark. So my broker who just retired in Northern California said, the only thing that moves the needle is 95 and above points. 
93. I think for me, it's 92 and above that will move the meal. I think 90 means something. 91 obviously means something. But once you get like a 93, 94, 95, 92, I think you're doing okay. Are we done? We're dumping wine in the vineyard. Regenerating. That should feed you the You don't have to if you want to. I'm not dumping you crazy. Never had this before. Did you dump a Del Dotto? No. That's they don't, I don't think they let you. They do. Do they really? How are their wines? I've had one years ago, and it was actually pretty good. The wines are spectacular. I think that, uh, look, I don't want to knock Dave mm. Vinny. The guy was mm. a master blender, made wonderful wines for me. Um, but he liked to blend, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the quality of my cabs are, are, are improving with the new regime. There's nothing wrong with 100% Cabernet. Because mm. I think it really, when you have 100% of anything, mm. it really is kind of what the vineyard gives you, right? Correct. And I don't think Dave was ever the type, and I don't know him personally, um, he doesn't strike me as a type to make a blend to mass things. Because that was what a blend was years ago, was to mass the, the deficiencies of that varietal that year. Yeah, sometimes... Uh... Certain vintages might have a hole like the the middle or the beginning, mm-hmm. and you can add something. I have a a client who really loved my 16, and I was okay. I was lukewarm on it, but he loved it. It was good. And um, he bought the last couple cases I had of 16. Where does he live? I'm going to go find him. Austin. Uh, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually... I had, so at Oakville Wine Merchant, they had your cab. 16. Um, 16. And it was last February. Right. And I had some time to go because I was meeting Violet Gergich at like two. Okay. So I had like yeah, a two you, and a half. Yeah, that's when you first got in contact. Yeah. With I had a two and a half hour window. And I'm like, you know what? What am I going to do in Napa? Like, I'm going to go sit and read a book or go for a walk. I'm like, let's go to Oakville Wine Merchant. I had some di- lunch. I was go to Oakville Gregory, just pick up a sub or Caesar salad, which is really good. I had yesterday my way in. And I went there. And I had your cab. And honestly, I probably tried 14 wines. One of my favorite. And it was probably the cheapest, one of the cheapest wines too. Not to degrade the price, but, mm-hmm. you know, it was very good. And it was 16. Right. And so we, we, we blew that out. We're done with 16. And, and I'm almost done with 17, you know. Um, my broker in Southern California has uh, my broker up yep. north. But I'm all out. Um, how, how how challenging is it to be a small brand? Um, Especially in Napa, when you're fighting, I mean, it's becoming more corporate every day, as you know, every week. I think it's not too hard because owning the vineyards, mm-hmm. staying small, uh, respecting the wine, mm-hmm. I've been able to hang in there. Yeah. Even through tough times. Yeah. Like COVID. What's that? We don't talk about COVID on the Cork and Taylor. Oh because. man, COVID, man! You know, all my, all my restaurant accounts just went away. Oh my God, yeah. You know. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, they all did. It just went like gone. Mm-hmm. That's how my business went, because a lot of my stuff is is uh, independent, boutiques, restaurants, and they. On, I'll never forget. We're walking. My wife and three kids went for a walk <laughs> yeah. in a nature park, and my buddy texted me. As of 9 o'clock tonight, every restaurant is shut down in the state of Ohio. Bar, restaurant, whatever. I'm like, holy shit. And I, I got pissed. I almost broke my phone. 
wife's like, what's wrong? And it was tough. And it, it was really tough. It was tough. And what, what got us through that was direct-to-consumer, yeah. right? So people had to strengthen their uh, those kind of sales. Yeah. And those, those customers pulled us through. Good. And because I don't, we're out in the middle of a vineyard, I don't have a bricks-and-mortar winery that I'm paying debt on, right? Yeah. So how do you do tastings if someone wants to come out here and taste? Is this what we do? Is this is this not your first time doing this? Well, it's the first <laughs> time out in the vineyard. I thought yeah. this would be nice. Yeah, but I usually do them next to the tennis court uh, right here at our ranch headquarters. You got a tennis court? Yeah. Are you a tennis player? I am. I was. Clay court. That doesn't matter what it is. Well, I read on your bio that you're a golfer. I am a golfer, was a tennis player, and a basketball player too. Played in college. University of Illinois, Chicago, D1. And I was the men's tennis coach at DePaul University in Chicago. Coached on the Pro Tour. I've coached the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. So my daughter is uh, playing D1 at, at Dayton, Ohio. Tennis. Uh, Broomball used to be the men's coach. I don't think he's there anymore. It's a woman. Steve Broomball, yeah. He's a woman, yeah. So she plays tennis at the Flyers. My, my, yes, a, yes. A buddy of mine, Tim Osgood, who does not listen to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. My mom doesn't listen, nor does my wife. And I'm okay with that. My mom's kind of hard to hear, and my wife would be opinionated. I love her to death. But, I, you know, sometimes you just want to keep, like, church and state separate. You know what I mean? But my buddy was uh, Rudy Flyer. I actually have a whole bunch of friends that went to Usury Dayton. You know where? You know who goes to Dayton? People that can't get into Notre Dame in Ohio. That's what happens. Yeah, it's a private Catholic school. Yeah. and yeah. Um, It's a good school. Great school. One of their, one of their famous alumni... He's kind of fallen from grace now, but it was uh, John Gruden. Oh God, yeah. He's yeah, he's, he's great. He slipped a little bit. That's all right. We all slip, right? Well, problem yeah. is the problem is he's in a microscope. Yeah, you know. Um, so we're right now. Yeah, we've switched gears and we're trying something that's going to be released on the twenty third of February. This is my nineteen cab. And why, why do I have such a specific release date? It is a very prestigious tasting that day, Taste of Oakville. I belong to the Oakville Wine Growers, okay. and I will be introducing this wine that day. But I wanted you to have a chance to try it. All right, let's try it. Oh, you haven't? No, I'm going to let the guy open a little bit. Mm-hmm. Foreplay. Mm. Wine foreplay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, 100% cab. Nothing blended in. Just pops in your mouth. Yeah. Feel it on the tongue. Nice tannins. That's nice. Beautiful. Have you ever tried to dabble into winemaking? Be honest. Yes, I I have, (laughs) and I kind of failed on it. I did it some at my house. What uh, was wrong with it? Did you use your own fruit? I did. And uh, it just... (laughs) I didn't have the pristine sanitary conditions and it just didn't work out yeah and I, I and I lean heavily on consulting winemakers yeah but when it comes to Petit Syrah I've learned a lot from Mr. Finney yeah his favorite variety is it really yeah really so uh I know when not to pick it you can't pick it under ripe you cannot pick Petit Syrah under ripe why it's too tannic. Yeah. And it's unapproachable. Yeah. It takes years and years to soften. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
This is very nice. You happy with 19? Very happy. You're happy yeah. with all your wines, probably. Well, You'd hope so. some more than others. I mean, yeah. um, I'm coming into some of my very favorite wines. 18, 19 were spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. The perfect growing conditions. I think 21 and 22, spectacular also. Short crops, small mm -hmm. crops, very intense fruit. Mm -hmm. So I've got, I've got a couple more great vintages in the barrel right now. Mm. 100% cap? 100%. 85 bucks. I'd like it better if it was eighty-four ninety-nine. Mm. <laughs> Consumers get finicky about that, you know that. <laughs> At least in like, if they're buying it in wine shops, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's eighty-five bucks. No, it's eighty-four. I got an argument once with somebody. It was kind of comical. They're like it's eighty-four. I'm like, it's eighty-five bucks. It's eighty-five bucks. Yeah. Well, you know, I almost said, I just buy and I'll give you the penny back. That's excellent, though. Who do you sell your cab to? Can you say or no? I can say. Yeah, you can say. Um, on either side of the fruit I get in Oakville, Delgado and Groth. Groth makes, they both make some good wines. So they're getting that fruit. Um, Delgado buys this block of cab right here. And uh, I sell a little bit to Stag's Leap. Yep. Which Stag's Leap? Because there's two of them. Stag's Leap Winery. Is that, is that the bigger, Behringer. that has the bigger, uh, the bigger logo? It's not the small. It's always confusing to me. It's, I'm not well, gonna... it is. There's no doubt. But uh, is it the one that makes Petit Syrah, or is that the, or is it the? Um, yeah. Yes, it is. Armitus one, because one makes Petit Syrah, which has a smaller label. That's the one I sell to. Okay, the other one has the bigger label, the SLV and the Armitus, yeah. which is the bigger label. So I've been selling fruit to Stag's Leaf since '95. Okay. They buy almost all my Petit Syrah. I have 11 acres of Petit Syrah. Holy cow. They get 10, they I get, get one. one. <laughs> have they ever tried to get all of it? Oh yeah, they wanted all yeah. of it. I said, no, no, I'm making a Petit Syrah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's crazy. This is delicious. I'm not dumping this. Okay, good. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so, um, the impetus of this wine was I wanted to honor my only daughter Natalie hence you just have one daughter or one, one child one child yep. Natalie's Reserve yep the first vintage I made of Natalie's Reserve was a 16 mm -hmm. and uh, it was something that Dave Finney inspired me to do it was 50% petite 50% cab not your traditional blend right mm -hmm. so I called it red table wine had mm -hmm. to my broker said, man, I wish you would make a reserve cab. So the next time I had enough fruit to make the Natalie's was 19, I made a reserve cab. Wow. So why did you decide to make it in 16? Obviously it wasn't her birth year if she's a senior in Gaul. Wasn't it? No. Well, Anything significant? Look, every time I got together with Dave Finney to make the final blends, he'd go, man, your cab is great, your petite's great. <laughs> But check this out, Doug, and he'd do a little blend. So he does he do anything 100%? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I mean, I remember The Prisoner. I used to enjoy it before uh, it kind of changed hands. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was impressive what he would do with that wine. 
impressive all-purchase fruit too i mean he didn't own any vineyards and i was actually selling fruit to the prisoner really till he sold it you know yeah um can you imagine what kind of grapes are getting now it's funny every time i see the prisoner wine company i think hmm. of franciscan yeah, well, they renamed it. They well, rebranded yeah, right. it. Yeah, Prisoner Wine yeah. Company, right? Yeah, the Magnificat. That was a pretty good wine. Back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. Franciscan, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They had nice bathrooms. I remember their taste room had nice bathrooms, if that means anything. I wanted, I wanted to make a wine. This sounds really greedy, but I wanted to make a wine over a hundred dollars a bottle. Okay, so this is only. 96 cases. It's a very small production. Mm-hmm. It's 120 retail. It's 100% brand new French oak barrels. Mm. And it literally is the best fruit of this vintage that I put into this bottle. How can you tell the best fruit? Because I've heard that often. You know, these are their best grapes. Well, these we, are things. How, how do you... we have Coopers that we really like, French oak Coopers. Mm-hmm. And if the wine is really great in that barrel, that's going to be our favorite barrel. And that uh, barrel might be, I'm going, to, I'm going to give away a little something maybe I shouldn't, but Daranju barrels are some of my favorite barrels. Okay. And this... Uh, Why? Well, they're just luscious. And uh, this vintner here in Napa represents that company, mm-hmm. Luke Morlay. Okay. And uh, so it's been, the cab in this bottle is uh, Derringer. We're literally a few hundred yards from where my Petite Syrah is grown. Why couldn't we sit there? Yeah, we could have. <laughs> we, we might, well, no, we're not going to walk over there. No, we're not. <laughs> mm. So do you ever see yourself maybe making more of this this wine, or is it kind of just you're kind of set with the number and it, you're happy with that? I guess you have the flexibility to do whatever you really want, right? I mean, well, technically. We, we could make, our family could make thousands of cases, you know, but I choose not to. I make yeah. 500 cases. Yeah. And uh, I can't make the Natalie's Reserve every year because then I, I wouldn't have enough to make a Petit Syrah or a Cabernet. Right. In 19, there was enough fruit to do it. So we, so you won't have it in 20, I take it? I won't have it. No, the 20's bottled. I don't have a 20. I probably won't have a 21 or 22. Very short crops. Really? Because of the drought. I'm hoping to do a 23 because that's my 25th uh, vintage. Also, it's the, the year your daughter will graduate college. That's true. Yeah. It's amazing what I come up with. I wish more people would listen to me, Doug. Not just in the podcast, but in life. I know. You know we're going to revisit some of these wines. So <laughs> that one's mine. That's your jump. Yeah, I just... <laughs> Why not? I mean, you revisit all you want. That, you. that one's mine. Oh, that one's yours. Okay. So now... Now we're doing the Natalie's Reserve. Oh, 19. 19. So you've, you made a 16 and a 19. Yes. The 16 was a red table wine because it was yep. 50% Petit Syrah. This is a 90% cab, 10% Petit, Petit Syrah. So um, uh, I, I will be preview- previewing this yep. 
at Taste of Oakville. Also, too. At Brick's Restaurant yep. on the 23rd of April. I like Brick's. I've eaten there before. I do, too. Yeah. I've eaten actually outside. It's beautiful. And there. inside, too, yeah. I had, I'll never forget, I had Mary Edwards Sauvignon Blanc. And I'm like, this is not 100% Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> but I didn't have the heart to tell her that. I don't know her. So. And, well, she's out of it now. So she sold to, to I think, Rotor, I think, bought it a couple years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. It's crazy how much has kind of changed. changed in the last two years. Well, I mean, look, I'm in, I don't know what I'm at. I came back into the fold in 86. So I don't know. This is my third, 32nd or 33rd vintage. Okay. Uh, not many people are in management of the wineries that I, I still work with. Isn't that crazy? They're gone. I mean, they're retired, you know. Uh, are their kids taking over? Are they sold? No, or it's just... no Tom Rinaldi moved on from Duckhorn. I remember that name. Uh, the winemaker at Stag's Leap has moved on many times. Yep. Why, do you, why I, do you think that is? I'm getting old, man. Yeah, well. And I'm getting old, man. You're 28? Huh? You're 28? Oh, yeah. I feel 28. <laughs> you just lie in the vineyard. You know, just lie in the vineyard a little bit. So, go ahead. What are you going to say? I'm just saying uh, I've now poured the Natalie's 19 yep. Reserve, Reserve Cabernet, and uh, this is... This wine hasn't been reviewed yet. It did get a nice... I submitted it to a wine competition, San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition, which is a prestigious competition. Largest wine uh, competition in the world. Oh, so you respect it a little I bit. I do. Because I've had wineries. Mary Hill was the first ever non-NAP uh, California winery to win uh, Winery of the Year. So, so I know it. I respect so it. So they gave me, uh, just a month ago, double gold. On this wine, I'd, I'd give you triple gold on the Corinth Hill wine. That's, that's good. Oh, thank you. That's so, really good. Uh, that's really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> this wine can eat. I mean, this is a hundred percent brand new French oak. Even the Petit Syrah is aged in French oak. That was something Dave Finney brought to the forefront. So, how many cases did you make of this? Ninety-six. Okay, now let me ask you something. So. You make 96 cases. Mm -hmm. So now you technically have 95 cases and 11 bottles. When you say 96 cases, is that including all the sampling, the pouring, everything else? Or is that 96 cases that you can sell, but you've made an extra 20 cases? Do you know what I'm saying? No, I made I made 96 cases. Okay. Um, okay. I'm very generous with my yep. samples. Yep. Samples come out of that. It's yep. just the way yep. it is. Yep. 96. Yep. 96 cases. That's it. Well, now you're down to 95 cases and 11 bottles. Right. Right. That's okay. That's good. You're happy with it? I'm very happy with this. And uh, I sent I sent a sample to my distributor in Ohio. Mm -hmm. He hasn't responded yet. I, I gave him the 16 <laughs> and the 19. Who knows? So, hmm. There's a very nice wine shop I wanted to get my wine in in Dayton. Mm -hmm. Do you know it? What's it called? Arrow. I'm familiar with it. In fact, I was going to have my daughter make a sales call there. but Do you ever see her since she's your, your only kin? Yeah. Do you ever see her coming back in the winery? I do. You I, do? I do. Has she, she kind of expressed anything? 
She's very interested. Okay. I don't want to limit her because she's she's in a male-dominated field of, you know, computer science, mm-hmm. and she's doing very well. Yeah. But I need a lot of help in just getting the word out. I yeah. mean, you have a platform. Yep. And I'm not very good at promoting myself. I think it's tough because you do... You're you're a vineyard guy, right? You're, yeah. You're you're in the in the vineyards. You're a fa- you're a farm. You're farmer. farmer, right? You're a farmer. Yeah. And I think, I, just from my experience with distribution, and I my background is in in marketing, advertising, PR, television. I was in uh, Fox News, uh, in Dubuque, Iowa, and Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Luke Taylor, Fox News. Oh yeah. Um. So, I understand that, but I don't understand what the hell you do. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I do understand because I work with wineries and all that stuff. Well, look, I, I took 10 years of, of farming mm-hmm. and figuring out where our best fruit was, yep. right? And then I convinced my dad. I go, Dad, can I have a couple tons of this block and this block? How, did, he, that, how did that go? It went over great. He oh, was, okay, like, very supportive. He goes, absolutely. So I secured these really nice clones and... Yep blocks of fruit yeah and that's where it's all about right i think the biggest fruit i think the biggest thing in this day and age and, I, and I, your your daughter would definitely attest to this and i and i'm understanding it more and more is social media very important and it's 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 word of mouth it's even if it's like you know we'll do this podcast we'll go out to a whole bunch of people she had heard of you and she goes that's, that's dad this is important you know what are you what are you gonna wear <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were just rated the 238th food podcast in South Korea. I've been ra- <laughs> I've been top 50 in food podcasts in South Korea for like six months straight. I don't understand. Hmm. You know, we're top 100 here and a top 50 here, but like I don't understand all that stuff. But I guess the 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 point of the matter is is there's 80 great wine, 80 great cabernets that come out of Napa. How do people hear about Stanton? Right? I mean, that's just... Well, word of mouth. Yep. I mean, you know... The power of word of mouth. I do I do three or four tastings like this a mm-hmm. month. Okay. Where people contact me and say, hey, can I, can we come to your winery and taste your wine? And mm-hmm. as my time allows, I do it. And these people that come are customers for life. They're yep. blown yep. away. Yep. Yep. Do you have a wine club? I do. Yep. Yeah. Good. That's pretty good. I drink uh, this again. I wouldn't if you said, you know, you want some more. I'd be like, oh, sure, why not? It's okay. <laughs> no, this is delicious. I think people are going to be very impressed with this when you pour this taste of Oakville. I hope so. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so we do this little section. This will uh, be fun. I'm, okay, we're going to have fun with you. Okay, I'll one. try. I'll try. <clears throat> no, you're doing a good job, Doug. Um, <clears throat> so you win nothing, you get nothing. It's called sip and spit. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions, or some questions. One word answers. No, you can elaborate. I mean, believe me, you should see some of the people I've interviewed in, like, their 25-minute answers. Oh, Don't give good. me 25 minutes. I'll hit you. All right. All right. Let's do it. Biggest misconception of Petit Syrah? Oh, that is just a wimpy uh, wine. I mean, that's not very big and tannic and not very much structure to it. Well... There's a reason why we're saving it for last because mm-hmm. it's huge. It is muscular. 
And every time in my tastings, I serve it last because it's that big. Mm -hmm. So the misconception is that petite indicates it's just, eh. Yeah, which is definitely not. Which is definitely not. Yeah. If you bottled one other wine, what would it be? I've came very close to making a varietal Cabernet Franc. And that's where we're sitting in the Franc right Mm -hmm. here. It's uh, a French Antov clone. And I I respect people that do Franc well. Mm -hmm. I think one of the best Francs I've ever had was Crocker Star. They're, They're a winery that's visible from here. Yep, I can see the house so right I there. like their from. Yeah. So that would be the one. Do you think it'd be a tough sell though? I would uh I think it would be. I think I'm I'm very happy concentrating on the two varietals I do. Mm-hmm. Even though I grow Malbec, yep. I grow Merlot. You sell it. Can't yeah, I can't. I can't make a Merlot and make money on that. The only thing you could maybe do with all the different varietals it's called make a red blend. Yeah. You know? Cane five. I wouldn't go that, no, I wouldn't go that far. But no, like a red blend at, you know, 50, 60 bucks a bottle. I mean, that's the only thing from a distribution uh, strategy, I would say. But, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I used to not like Cab Franc because I don't think I've had a, had a good Cab Franc. But I've had some in the last couple of years, whether it's Mary Hill, which I sell from Washington. I had Pride today, which is very nice. Very nice. Pride makes a very nice Cabernet Franc. I agree. But I think, like, Monticello makes a, a, a beautiful Cabernet Franc, too, a Monticello Corley. It's a tough sell because people don't know what it is. It's not Cabernet Sauvignon. No, it's not Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. But what is it? So I'm happy focusing Good. on my two varietals, Cabernet yep. Sauvignon, Good. Oakville, and St. Helena <clears throat> Petite Syrah. And it's enough for me. I'm happy. Yeah. What's the best advice your dad ever gave you in the wine business or just growing grapes? Not just, but growing grapes or what what have you. Best advice. Boy, I have to think on that. Uh, What about the worst advice he gave you? Maybe it was not advice. I mean, he was... uh, He wasn't much of a marketing guy, so Mm -hmm. he he loved growing. He loved to grow it. He didn't care what he got paid. And part of my job yeah. was, let's get paid for this fruit, right? How, how is your mom about that? <laughs> so he was passionate. He was passionate he about farming. And maybe it was an advice he gave you through a, a verbal sense? He had a very uh, high work ethic. I mean, he he did our spraying into his 90s. You know, he would spray the ranches. And he would work long hours. Mm-hmm. So I think his his work ethic was very yeah. inspiring to me. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, your favorite vintage and your least favorite vintage. I'm going to go with my favorite first. And it was uh, 2010 Cabernet. Okay. <laughs> I was off in the Sierras doing a backpacking trip with my wife and daughter. And we had this huge heat spike that mm-hmm. year in 2010. And uh, I came back, and the, the fruit was raisined and not looking great. But we had, we made exceptional wine that year, 10. Uh, the worst vintage, 
or your least memorable? I don't want to say worst. That sounds bad. Yeah, the least memorable was either. Uh, like, what's the one you want to forget? <laughs> you don't want it to come back hmm. ever again, other than 2020, of course. Well, 2000 was panned. Right? Was it? But I made a great 2000. Um, the good thing about making small quantities of wine, if if you pay attention and make a good product, you'll sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you don't have thousands and thousands of cases. Yeah. And the best advice I ever got was don't discount, right? Yeah. Because once you do go down that road, people always expect people expect that, that price. Yeah. So. I've tried to maintain my price point. Yeah. If it wasn't named Stanton, what would you have named it? Well, I was so fortunate that nobody had trademarked Stanton in uh, 99. Um, You'd have had to change your last name. It's amazing everything that's copyrighted and already trademarked. Isn't it crazy in the wine business? I have one producer up in Oregon named Stanton, but he's making Pinots and Shards. And we kind of ignore each other. I make, I make a Napa Valley <laughs> yeah. cab. Yeah, who cares? Um, I don't know. It just it fell into my lap. It yep. was just a miracle that no one had trademarked Stanton, a great English name. And I don't know what I'd call my brand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Describe Dave Finney in one word. probably the most likable guy i mean i've never met anybody that said a bad word about him i know i haven't either people ever it's amazing ever. Yep. the guy is like teflon and he is genuinely a nice guy yeah and people like him yeah yeah so likable very likable okay very enjoyable last question to see if you pass the sip oh, and spit God. round what varietal best describes you Hmm. Long pause here. <laughs> you know what someone said about me once? A guest. What? <laughs> they said that. They said that. I didn't ask. I asked her the question. She said, "Well, I'm going to tell you what I think you're." I'm like, "Okay, Lauren." And she owns 750 ML wines in uh, in Akron and Brexville. And I said, uh, "She's you're my you're my little petite Syrah. She's like you're big. She's like which you are." I'm like you're thick. I'm like I am. I'm a large. I'm a larger man. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to you. <laughs> like thanks. Oh, describe the wine, huh? Varietal. Look, I'm uh, Pinot. Are you thin-skinned? No. No, no. I'm probably uh, thick-skinned, like Cabernet. Yeah. I have to be. Cabernet is very resilient and. It can endure rain, you know. Easy to grow, huh? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's it's the easier of grapes to grow, though, right? It's not that tough. I yeah. mean, look, the hard part is finding the good site, the well-drained site, you know, the soil, and planting Cabernet on that site. Right now, Cabernet is overplanted in Napa Valley, and they're planting it everywhere because you can get nine, ten thousand dollars a ton. When's, when does it stop? You know what I mean? The price? Just when does it stop? I mean, you're, you're obviously, I mean, the, the thing is Cabernet is great and all, and I know it's king of Napa, and I get that. But when is there enough Cabernet in Napa? 
I mean, you're not going to go plant Pinot Noir grapes in Oakville. I mean, let's be honest. No. But you're not going to plant plant. I, I did plant Petite, <laughs> Petite Serrano in Oakville. Yeah, but... But yeah. listen, like like Cabernet, Petite Syrah is strong and resilient. It's thick-skinned. Mm-hmm. So it's very much Cabernet-like in that sense of, I would think, from a growing perspective, right? When's it going to stop? I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're still going to keep buying wineries. I mean, that's not going to stop. You know, I've had a lot of wineries approach me this winter and say, Hey, we want to get together, have lunch, and and renegotiate our price to you. They want to pay me more money because they know they're underpaying me. So there's still a huge demand for Cabernet. Good Cabernet. Yeah. Wow. I don't know where it's going to stop. Yeah. I want to... Uh, well, we're, what we're going to do is I'm, we're going to end it. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit more. Oh. We're going to have another topic, and we're actually going to talk about Petit Sirah. So that's the perfect segue. Oh, good. So, Doug, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. This is probably the one and only time I'll ever be sitting in a vineyard like this. In a, <laughs> if you put any more wines on the table, I, I don't think we could do it, my friend. <laughs> so it was a pleasure, Doug. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review just so you get uh, a new podcast. Every Thursday when it hits kind of like your podcast bin, uh, subscribe on YouTube and like us. And tell your wine friends because the more people that know, the, the better for Stan. The more people that know Stan wines, which are fantastic. I have not spit. I have not dumped. <laughs> I don't know how the hell I'm going to make it to my next two uh, two uh, wine podcasts. But you have two more today. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a horse, baby. I'm a freaking donkey. No, nah, that doesn't sound good. I'm what, like a horse. What time? We're, I'm, good. We're I'm, good. I'm not asking we're you. Good, good. I just want to know what time is we're your good. next one. Three o'clock. We're good, baby. Oh, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. So okay, good. thanks for joining us and listen us uh, listen to us next week on the Pork and Taylor Wine Podcast.